Welcome to the Soul Church Sunday Service Podcast. Well, we're going to carry on with our penultimate Sunday with the Minor Prophets. Let me me demask. And uh, you really do believe that you can know God for yourself. And that if Jesus speaks to you, that changes everything. So I'm going to read God's word to you again now. Just a couple of those verses. And I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to ask him to talk to you all. This is what the Lord says to the house of Israel. That's the church. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Do not journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will surely go into exile. And Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Seek the Lord and live. Where he will sweep through the house of Joseph like a fire. He will devour and Bethel will have no one to quench it. Let's pray. God and our Father, Lord, please, would you speak to us now? Well, give me the words to say, Lord, help me to be clear. But Lord, please, would you help people here to listen? Lord, to really listen. Jesus, be real to us now and talk to our hearts. Open our eyes. Lord, have mercy on us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's something about human nature... Something that tells us that there is safety in numbers. Something in us that wants to find people in the same boat as us. To make us feel better about ourselves. To make us feel more secure. To feel like we aren't alone, that we aren't maybe in the wrong. Or we aren't going the wrong way. Billy Graham, a really famous preacher uh, from America who back in the 80s preached to a million people in one go on an air, in an airport, an air landing strip, whatever it's called, in Korea. And he's preached to packed out stadiums in America and the UK and all around the world. And he once said, there is a lonely arena in your heart where you alone must fight the greatest battle of all. What will you do with Jesus? Similarly, in the story of Jacob in the Old Testament, which is like, a, the, like the paradigm, the, the, the example of what it is to be a Christian, he has to wrestle with Jesus, wrestle with the Lord on his own. And when he lost to Jesus and submitted, he was saved and became a Christian. All this is to say that, that you cannot look to anyone else to help you. You can't rely on what your mam or your granddad knows about God. You yourself, you have to receive Jesus. You have to lay your sins down and lay your self-righteousness down. No one else can save you. No one else can make you right with God. No one else can repent of your sins and receive Jesus for you. You've got to do it. And judgment day comes, it's going to be you and God. Won't be able to say, well, like in school, isn't it, when <coughs> children get in trouble, so and so made me do it. Oh, yeah, but miss, you know, these girls are doing it too. None of that's going to happen. 
It's going to be you and God. The Bible says that the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the good news that we are wretched sinners and incapable of saving ourselves and in need of God to save us, that good news, the good news of Jesus' sacrificial death and the resurrection, apparently the Bible says that's plain to us. That we know it deep down. The whole of creation speaks it to us. But we suppress the truth by our wickedness, the Bible says. God's cry out to us, but we aren't listening. Deep down, we know and we hear and we resonate that we need forgiveness. And yet, because of our sinful hearts that are full of pride, we ignore that truth. We deny the truth. We put our fingers in our ears and shout, la, 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 la. I'm not listening at the truth. And we try and find others in the same predicament. As my granny used to say, misery loves company. We want people to join us in our rebellion. So we feel more secure in it. Because deep down, we know we're running away from God. We want to take others with us. It's like... My friend says, you don't need to be, if you're ever out in, on safari, and you're worried about getting eaten by a, a cheetah or a lion or gored by a hippo. They're the most dangerous animal in Africa, kids. You don't need to be faster than a hippo or than a lion. You need to be faster than your friends. We want company. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. I watched this program about uh, the, uh, the legalised red light district in Leeds. I think it's closed down now, but... It's interesting how these, these ladies who were trapped in addiction and they were, and they were selling themselves and they were, their addiction was, was to pay for their addiction and their, their addiction was masking all the pain and the hurt and the suffering from that. And yet these same ladies who'd been through so much, who'd sold themselves so much and with the mercy of crack were sharing their misery were getting other girls, tempting them to start on that same path, offering them their pipe. Because misery loves company. Because we look for others in the same boat, we try and do that. And that's why, when Pete read the verse, isn't it, at the beginning, this is a lament from the Lord. Hear this word, O house of Israel. This lament I take up concerning you. God is heartbroken. Because he's talking to us and we're not listening. Because the very thing that's killing us, we are running to. And taking others with us. (coughs) As you read just now in verses 4 to 6, isn't it? God says, don't look for help from your neighbours. Don't go to Gilgal and, and Bethel. Don't go to Beersheba. Don't go to the people who are in the same boat as you. They won't save you from my wrath. They won't save you from the judgment to come. There is no safety in numbers. Often people say, well, at least if I go to hell, I'll be with my friends. I'd rather be in hell with my friends than in heaven. Except that, in hell, your friends will know everything that you've said about them behind their backs. They will know, and you will know them for who they really are, and they will know you for who you really are. 
They will know your darkest thoughts. And rather than wanting to be with them, you will only want to run from them. But you will forever be exposed. That pervading loneliness that you feel in a crowd will be constant and crushing. You will be your very worst all day, every day, for all of eternity. There is no safety in numbers. There's no comfort in the herds. God will not be denied. He will not be defeated or dissuaded. See, God laments because life isn't found in being surrounded by people who make you feel better about yourself. Life isn't found running away from God. Life isn't found in religion and duty. Life isn't found on clinging on to those who who have hope, hoping it will rub off on you. The Lord says, seek me and live. Seek me and live. Seek the Lord and live. Life starts with Jesus. To live, to really be alive is to meet God through Jesus, the Bible says. He is the author of life. And only Jesus can give you eternal life. It can't be given to you by anyone else. You can't borrow it from a friend or a family member. Like when you lend someone your blue badge for your car so you get a decent parking space. You can't borrow it. Though they might be the ones to tell you about it. You've got to seek the Lord. You've got to get right with God. Seek the Lord and live. To really start living now. And to receive eternal life. To live forever. And that's the whole point of church. That's why we're here in Seoul. Is so for you to meet Jesus. Even the Christians here, we need to come to church to seek God. And we don't always do that, do we? God's here talking to Israel, to the church. And it's made up of people who, who trust Jesus and people who don't. Just like this room here right now. He says, you've got to seek me. You've got to meet with God. That's where life is found. Not, life isn't found in community or being found. That's nice and it's lovely and we looked a few weeks ago, didn't we, in the, looking at church. There's got to be unity and, and love. But that's not where the life comes from. Life comes from Jesus. That's where the unity and the family come from, isn't it? When we meet Jesus. And if we aren't here to meet with Jesus, then it's pointless. And it's pitiful. In fact, God sees right through it. He says in verse later on in verse 21, I hate, I despise your religious feasts. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Even the things that God set up and says, these are the things that are good. If, they're not, if Jesus isn't in the centre, if we're not there to seek God, then he doesn't want to know. It shows that God has zero time 
for that for a religiousness that avoids him, <coughs> that attempts to keep him at arm's length. Because that's quite easy to do, isn't it? Come to church, sing the songs, say the prayers, smile and nod, but all the while keeping God far away. Maybe you'll be happy with this. Maybe I can, I can keep him at, content and at bay. Rather than drawing to him and letting him to draw us to himself. Seek me and live, the Lord says. Seek me and live. You can avoid the coming judgment and wrath. You can escape this hell on earth and that outer darkness of hell for eternity by seeking the Lord. By seeking the Lord. The problem with the church in, in Amos is that, all, and all the people that surround them, is they, they're looking for life <coughs> in all the wrong places. They're looking for life in all the wrong places. And that's exactly what we do. That's what, exactly what everyone downstairs, who's giving a big one in Charlie's bar right now, is looking, they're looking for life in the wrong place. We look for life in different idols, don't we? Might be good things, but they're still idols, family and, and, and entertainment. Or maybe it's things that aren't so good, but we still make idols out of them. Money and, and sex and popularity, drinking, partying, drugs, violence, power, whatever it is. We look for life in all the wrong places. We look for life and it brings death. We try telling ourselves and, and each other that we're having a good time. That we are living, but we're dead inside. We tell them that this is what we are living, we honestly we are. I remember seeing it, freshers in university who are all drinking too much, they're all going too far, all pretending they're having a good time, but they're all miserable without their depth. But they try to convince themselves and everyone else that they are living, but we're not. God says, you trample the poor and you force them to give you grain. Therefore, though you've built stone mansions, you will not live in them. Though you have planted lush vineyards, you will not drink their wine. All the things that we build up to make our lives feel secure, our stuff, our homes, our friends, our families, all the stuff we think that makes us alive, our DVD collection... We won't get to enjoy it, the Bible says. It will crumble, it will fade, it will rust, it will fall apart. And the bottom line is, it won't comfort us in hell. It will only drag us down. Rather than bringing peace, it brings despair. When we look for life in the wrong places, we are robbed of the real life offered to us. There's no security to be, to be found outside of Jesus. There's no life to be found outside of Jesus. Don't look elsewhere. Look to the Lord and live. Seek me and live, Jesus says. But what do we mean by seek him? Does that mean that God is hiding? That he's far off? We have to uh, perform to get to him? 
Is it like, say you have to go on some epic quest, uh, and only the skilled and the cunning and the extra magic can make it? But those who are really holy, they'll, they'll be alright, but everyone else? <coughs> is it difficult? Is it out of reach? Matthew 7, verse 7 says, Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. God is right there, the Bible says. He's right there. He's only a prayer away. Like when a dad is calling out to their toddler, the, the toddler's too busy in their, their own game, uh, their own worries and fears to really hear them. And it's not that the dad isn't calling out to them, it's that the toddler isn't listening. Isn't listening. You might say, well, I'm here, aren't I? I'm in church. All these years I've been looking for life, I haven't found God. But the truth is, it's just like when I'm playing Xbox and, and Emma's looking for the car keys and she says, oh, are they in there? Are they, are they in the living room? And uh, I'm like, she's in the dining room and I'm like, no, yeah, I can't see them, no. Not taking my eyes off the screen because I really want to kill those Nazis or really want to rob that saloon or whatever it is I'm playing, whatever game I'm playing. And then she'll come in and the car keys are on the sofa right next to me. I'm convinced that I've looked and couldn't find them. But I haven't really been looking, have I? I haven't taken my eyes out of my game. Jesus literally says, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Ask and it will be given to you. So if you're looking for life, if you feel like God is far away, the real question is, have you sought him? Will you seek Jesus and live? Have you really looked? Have you stopped your games long enough to actually look are you listening have you come to church today with your ears and your eyes and your heart open have you tried asking Jesus if you're real if you're really real show me help me save me seek and you shall find and it's a lament from God, this passage. It's breaking God's heart. It's like when uh, I walk past the bedroom late at night and I can hear Isla sobbing, sobbing and sobbing and sobbing. And I come in and I'm like, what's the matter? Why are you, why are you crying? And she's had a bad dream or she's afraid of the dark. And it breaks my heart. To know that she's been crying on her own for ages. So why haven't you come and got me? Why haven't you come and called? Likewise, God wants to give you light. He wants to rescue you from your sin. There is life in Jesus. There is only death 
and judgment. There's only wailing and weeping without him. Only God can save you from yourself. And only Jesus can save you from God's judgment. You need to realise that you are lost. Who you are. Who you are is far from God. There's no goodness in us without Jesus. And we need to see who he is. That he is the saviour, the son, the one who comes to rescue us. Who stoops down. And we need to have a little view of ourselves and a big view of Jesus. Please don't look for comfort in other people who are in the same boat as you. Don't compare yourself. (coughs) Well, I'm not doing great, but I'm better than they are. Or at least these people get me. Don't look for life from other people, from other places. You have to seek the Lord. If you seek him, you will find him. Because Jesus has come to die on the cross and rise again for you. Ask him for life. Ask him for forgiveness and you will receive it from him. So let's ask together. Now, I'm going to pray for you and then why not? we're going to spend just a couple of minutes on our tables where you are on your own. I want you to talk to God. Really talk to him. Ask. Seek. Knock on that door. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that your heart is for us, Lord, that it breaks your heart. As we read this lament, Lord, that you long for those who are looking for life in all the wrong places to find life in you. Oh, Lord Jesus, please, everyone here, Lord, who doesn't know you, and there are lots of people here who don't know you, Lord, please, Lord, would you open their eyes to who you are and who they are? Would, you, would they hear you calling to them? And as you call to them, Lord, they would receive you. They would seek you. And you would bring them into your family. Pray us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Soul Church Sunday podcast. We hope it helped you and blessed you. We'd love to see you on a Sunday, 6pm in Neath Town Hall.